Hey friends, welcome to the Next Step Leadership Podcast, a conversation dedicated to helping you make your next step your best step. I'm Tracy Reynolds, and my partner for the Next Step Journey is Chris Maxwell. Together we hope to inspire, assist, and create the confidence you need to take your next step in your personal growth, spiritual growth, vocation, or even your calling. Thanks for joining us. Well, come on, let's dive into this week's episode of Next Step Leadership. Welcome again to Next Step Leadership Podcast. Uh, Chris Maxwell here and Tracy Reynolds, and uh, just thinking of the holiday season, uh, so many things we could talk about, Tracy, that we like, dislike, things that we get excited about, things that bother us. But one of the, one of those parts of this season that I love and cherish, it's, it's time with people and conversations mm-hmm. with people. And uh, that's one of the many things that I love about this podcast. I get time with you and, and time with, with people that mean very much to me. And today's guest is one of those people. Absolutely. Well, it's a little bit early to say Merry Christmas, but Merry Christmas. Uh, today we're blessed to have Cheryl Johns with us. Uh, Cheryl Bridges Johns, um, a friend for a number of years, an associate uh, through higher education. Cheryl has an academic background that's uh, over 30 years. Um, she's uh, been a, a decorated uh, president of Society for Pentecostal Studies. Uh, she's a writer. She is an educator. She has poured into the um, the next generation and continues to do so now in uh, uh, this time. And we're just blessed to have you as part of, of our family and part of our podcast. So welcome, Cheryl. Thank you. It's good to be here with both of you. Yeah, it really is good to have you. Let's just dive in and you uh, tell us a little more of your story. And uh, yeah, I want to hear your heart as you talk to us about your story and who you are and why you do what you do. Mm, yeah, you know, like all of us, my story doesn't begin with me. It begins long before me in the sense of mm-hmm. maybe my spiritual autobiography and story. I am a fourth-generation Pentecostal believer and trace my roots there back to around 1907 when my great-grandmother was filled with spirit and um, planted a church or got expelled from her Methodist church and I grew up in that same church many decades later, mm-hmm. and it was a very good, safe place where, oh, some of the elders would say, sometimes the Lord has his hand on your life. Um, mm-hmm. And many of you know my nephew, uh, Samuel Joshua Bridges, and he also grew up in that church and mm-hmm. had some of the same experiences many years later that I did in terms of people around him affirming the call that is in his life. And you two are examples of those who've affirmed the call in his life and continue that. You know, to be able to speak into the lives of, of younger ones is such a such an honor, isn't it? And so I, I went to Emmanuel College, uh, kind of thinking maybe I could be a missionary. Uh, I think when I was, you know, in the early 70s for women – there were a couple of things you could do, maybe be an evangelist or a missionary, but there weren't, or maybe even a teacher too, but I wasn't quite sure what the Lord had for me. So, and you know, sometimes you, you get um, this like pick one, you only get to pick one. So you might, <laughs> you don't get to say, well, I don't know. And I think in that era, 
it was less acceptable just to say, oh, I don't know, you know, I'll figure it out. They can say mm-hmm. that now, but back then, you know, we had to get right on to the ministry. And yeah. so mm-hmm. I thought, well, I, I will be a missionary. I went on a short-term mission trip with Pentecostal um, Holiness Lifeliners, if y'all remember that name. And mm-hmm. we went to the Hodebechi Methodist Church in Chile, and we went to Argentina, mm-hmm. came back, believing that maybe <clears throat> maybe that's what God wanted for my life. And during that time, I had spent some time with June Carter, who later became June Carnavacio. And I thought, I could be like June Carter. I'm going to be a single missionary. I am going to do this. <laughs> so I majored in Spanish and Christian ed. Then I transferred to Lee University, Lee College at the time. Um, and I um, met my husband there, husband-to-be, and, and I, I never will forget a conversation we had, which he said when I told him my plans for the future, never getting married and being a single missionary, et cetera. He just looked across the table at me and said, oh, I don't think you have what it takes for that. Um, and <laughs> my heart, using the words of Wesley, was strangely warmed within me. So at the time, <laughs> I was kind of angry that he would say that to me but it was right um some of us are called into a single life and some are not and so we've you know we married shortly after lee and had we're coming up in a couple of weeks december the 21st on our 48th wedding anniversary and it's been a wonderful shared journey after lee university we went to wheaton college and did our master's degree and Following that, uh, we we um, we had the opportunity to either go to Emmanuel College or Northwest Bible College. The, Emmanuel did not want me at all. Uh, they wanted my husband, so I went down with him for the interview and followed him around. But they seemed to have no interest in my coming to teach, which I thought, all right, this is fine, and. Uh, but at the at Northwest, I could at least teach part time, and I. So we decided the Lord, you know, led us to Northwest Bible College, where we were there for three years. And wow, you know, you you guys know what it's like to have a heavy teaching load. And if the dean happened to see anything on your transcript, graduate or undergraduate, the next semester you may be teaching that. so true a a day or two ahead of the students and you know i taught new testament introduction old testament basic doctrine all the a lot of christian ed courses piano spanish um psychology and uh, you just name it uh and Mm -hmm. colleges you just do what but you know looking back it was a good experience i learned because I had to teach, right. I, I learned a lot. It was like going to school myself. Our older daughter was born there, and Jackie pastored a couple of churches out on the prairie. Um, Keith uh, Baptist Church, which was uh, founded by Ukrainian uh, immigrants to the U.S. They were from mm-hmm. Kiev or Ukraine, and... So these were some of them second generation immigrants, and we sang a Russian hymn in every Sunday, and and that church mm-hmm. is still going. It, the town has about ten people in it, 
but the church has 70 or more people drive in. And we, mm. Jack also pastored another church a few miles from there. We would finish, you know, it was a circuit. We would finish one and go to the other. It was an Assemblies of God that became sort of a community church in um, Butte, North Dakota. And mm. we enjoyed that, that time there as well. After there, we left, and Jackie studied some more at the then Church of God uh, Theological Seminary. It was called School of Theology by then, maybe. And um, I resisted the will of the Lord. Uh, That became the black hole year, we call, in our lives. Um, I was going to go back to school, and... I remember going into the bathroom at camp meeting one summer and told somebody, you know, what we were going to be doing. And she looked at me and she said, so what are you going to live on, love? And for some reason, you know, we live by faith. And you guys know what it's like to live by faith and poor students and all that. Um, We had prayed in rent and income and food and but somehow what she said, I think it, I'm talking about 76, like maybe you shouldn't go back to school. Maybe you should do the, the wife putting the husband through things. So I came out of the restroom and I said to my husband, I'm not going back. You can. I'm going to find a job. Well, I hadn't prayed about it. I hadn't discussed it. Jack tried to talk me out of it. So that year, that ensuing year, uh, the housing, we had a house that needed to sell in North Dakota. And, you know, the housing model, the housing um, market dropped. Uh, I said 76, this was 79. You know, interest rates were 16%. And our, our house did not sell for a year. And I was trying to find a job in Cleveland. I taught part-time at Lee, but there's not much income in that. And... I would just go anywhere, just go in and ask for a job. And one place I went to, person actually looked at me and said, why are you here for this job? Why, you know, you can't type worth a flip and you're just, <laughs> why are you even here? And so I went out into the parking lot and cry out to the Lord, Lord, I don't understand. I'm trying to do the right thing and we need income. And, you know, and the Lord spoke to me so clearly and said, You're not getting this job. You're not getting any job because you're out of my will. I told you to go back to school. So I I heard, and Jack finished up the year at the Church of God School, and we both um, applied to our doctoral program at Southern Baptist Seminary in Louisville. The day we registered, our house closed. And all the funds that had been held up there were released. And uh, we were able to go through seminary with very, very almost non-existent debt. And we finished our you know, our PhDs there and came to Cleveland. I taught part-time, and Jack was at a, a church as an associate. And so we've been here since. I've taught at, I taught at the Church of God Seminary, now Pentecostal Theological Seminary, for twenty uh, for 37 years. Our younger daughter was born here in Cleveland, and it's become home, it's become a life to us here. We have a small farm, few Dexter cattle. When the season is good, blueberries, uh, we mm. enjoy uh, teaching. We planted a church and pastored that church 27 years, and 
retired from there about eight years ago. Um, we were there yesterday. I was asked to come back and preach, which was a very good experience. Church is doing well, and a new generation's there. Um, so I retired from the seminary, and the Lord just recycled me to United Seminary this fall, which is um, a distinctively different school. It's a United Methodist Seminary. Mm-hmm. Uh, as you may know, the United Methodists are undergoing travails and splitting, and mm-hmm. but this seminary is trying to hold the the line and be, and serve both United Methodist and the new emerging global Methodist. High percentage of the students are African-American. High percentage are charismatic. So I'm over the Pentecostal House of Studies there, developing that. Mm-hmm. And I'm enjoying my time. Short, The short amount of time that I've been here at, at United has been great. I'm only part-time, so I get to live here in Tennessee and travel every few weeks to Dayton or, you know, do my classes online. And it's been a very good experience. Uh, God is doing something at United that is very unusual outpouring of the spirit. They had the last couple of weeks ago, December the 2nd, the Holy Spirit conference, um, Carolyn Moore speaking there, who pastors in Augusta, Georgia, uh, one of the leaders of the newly emerging global Methodist church. And I, mm-hmm. I was a speaker there um, at this conference. The Lord just pours out his spirit. It's, it's about as Pentecostal mm-hmm. as you can get. So mm-hmm. um, it's, I think it's easy sometimes to put God in a box and mm-hmm. God just has a way of shattering that. And he has a way of also putting us in places where, we can stretch and grow ourselves. So it's been, I hope that I am being a blessing at United, but my goodness, I'm, I've received so much by being there. Yeah. That's so good. That is good. And, you know, I, I think back to the part of your story where you were like trying to sort of create your own story <laughs> based on assumptions of others mm-hmm. and cultural demands and God got in the way. Yeah. God got in the way and brought you back along the way that he had for you. I feel like that's where so many people are right now. Uh, so kind of talk to us a little bit about how we can um, speak to the young leaders or those maybe older leaders too, as we're all in this season of unknown uncertainty, what next, what now, how can we receive the guidance from the Lord better than we have? That's such a good question, Chris. And you know, all of our, all of us, we sometimes miss that and we uh, we all live with images images of success images of failure images of what it means to be productive to have a large church to um whatever you can fill in the blank and each of us has to work out that kingdom calling that is often counterintuitive to the culture, to the society. For women, you know, there are um, images are using the language of Richard Rohr. Um, we, our early part of life is often held in what he calls spiritual holding containers. For instance, I mentioned the church I grew up in and what a great holding container 
for me that church was. It provided mm-hmm. security. It provided um, a place to experiment, to, to, to learn my gifts. And uh, it was just a great space. But eventually, you know, I had to leave. I had to go to college. I had to. Mm-hmm. Uh, so holding containers, while they can be life-giving, they can also become uh, suffocating and repress- repressive even if we stay in them too long, if we allow the parameters to get too tight. And mm-hmm. all of us, as we move into the second half of life, find ourselves, I think, sometimes being called out of the security of those holding containers into maybe an uncharted land or a path less traveled or the space that doesn't look so safe. And we can choose at that point to be the company person, to be the one who says, oh, I'll just stay here. It's safe. I know everybody. Uh, Everybody knows me. And, they um, they write my script for me. I tell a lot of times. I tell women, women learn to live by the script given to them. Mm-hmm. It's harder for women than for men to allow the Holy Spirit to write your script, especially mm-hmm. if that script takes you out of the holding container. And there's a reason why women's conferences sometimes have the thing "Bloom where you're planted." In other words. Mm-hmm. You know, sister, stay in that holding container. It may have shallow soil or very little water, but you just try to do the best. You know, you've heard it said she made the most of her of her space or what was given to her. Mm-hmm. So women sometimes are honored by staying in the safe places, doing the prescribed mm-hmm. thing, whereas sometimes men are more honored for pioneering, going out, doing the right. new thing. The Pentecostal tradition is just filled with women who, you know, the early years in particular, who just sort of went out out of the box and did these amazing things, founding denominations, did great mission work, healing homes and all of that. So I think the Holy Spirit is the one who empowers us to hear the voice of God and courageously say yes. I will. Mm-hmm. Not that we ever outgrow community. None of us are lone rangers. We will always be formed and shaped and discipled and molded in community. But there is, a, a, I think, a time in our lives when we have to say, am I just going by the script given to me? Right. <laughs> or am I letting the Lord script my life? And the Lord scripting our life is often so different. Like when he handed Mary the script for her life there, when angel Gabriel came to her, think about that. That was so Mm. radically out of the box or the script that Paul was writing and, and using when he was Saul as a Pharisee, but that was a wrong one. It was, it was death-loving rather than life-giving. So the Lord, you know, as he was going on that road to Emmaus, not Emmaus, but Damascus there, Jer- wherever he was going, um, <laughs> you know, the Lord handed him another script. And so I think we all have to be open to the Holy Spirit surprising, rescripting, uh, re- yeah. and, and the Lord handed me another script 
now at 69 and my, you know, why get another, you know, why Lord? Sometimes I ask myself this, I ask my husband this, why, why this change in my life? Why this new venue? What has God up to? Uh, And I've learned that it's always the pilgrimage. It's never the destination until we're home. And too many people settle the destination midlife, later in life, uh, thinking that they're settled, they're good. Mm -hmm. And being open to the surprises of the spirit, the nudging, the prophetic words, the changes, I think are so, so important to us. And Mm. the Lord never, never lets us down. He's always with us. We never journey alone. And Mm we, we may go into strange and, and different places as both of you know, times of suffering, times that places that are strange to us. And we say, I would have never dreamed I would have been here. But we look back and we say, well, the Lord, you know, the Lord's been gracious to guide, direct. The Lord is the God of our journey and he is the, um, the end of our journey. So, you know, I like the phrase, we journey with God and into God. So I'm yeah. journeying. No, we're all journeying into God, the life of God. I was thinking this morning, home, what is home? And Jesus said in mm. my house, you know, Father's house, there are many rooms, but I'm already there. I was mm. reminding myself this morning that I'm already home. I'm in a large, mm. spacious room, and I am in the triune life, the Father, Son, and Spirit. I am in that aesthetic life now, so home becomes portable, and mm-hmm. it becomes uh, a place where even when you leave home, you're still home, or even when you're kicked out of home, you're still home. <laughs> uh, or as what happened to me recently, you know, leaving a denomination I had been part of for 47 years to go back home to the IPHC, uh, you know, the Lord is there. He was mm, there yeah. when I was in the Church of God for 40-something years. He's there with me uh, when I am back in the IPHC. So mm. I'm home. It doesn't uh, – yeah, I went home to the IPHC, but I was home before then. If I'm mm-hmm. with the Lord and he is with me, then I am in a settled good place and that's and that's where we need to be that's where we need to be in the middle of these seasons of uncertainty well let's let's end this this part of our conversation and we'll have you back again next week and it's just so good to to hear your voice and hear your thoughts because we're all learning and experiencing uncertainty but trying to find ways to make our next steps our best steps Thanks for joining us on Next Step Leadership, the weekly conversation dedicated to your personal growth and leadership development. Chris and I are so glad you dropped in. You can find us on all your favorite podcast providers. Do us a favor and hit subscribe. And if you really want to help us, give us a rating. We so appreciate your support. Check out our show notes for more information regarding guest contact information. 
Chris Maxwell's 11th book, Equilibrium, 31 Ways to Stay Balanced on Life's Uneven Surfaces, is available now at www.chrismaxwell.me or Amazon, where you can find all of Chris's previous books as well. Our featured music is by Casual Americans. You can find their new musical releases at www.casualamericans.com or at your favorite music suppliers. We release Next Steps Leadership each Thursday, so join us again next week on the Next Step Journey, a conversation dedicated to helping you make your next step your best step. Fill my heart.